Hey guys, welcome back to Storytime Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Lira, and today I'm going to be telling you guys the story of a black widow. Her name was Stacy Castor. Before I get started, I really just want to thank you guys for tuning in to Storytime Podcast with Haley Lira. If you're interested in more content related to the crimes and the victims, the assailants, or what have you, please go check out Storytime Slayer. This is the handle on Instagram and the page on Facebook, and that's where I'm going to have further information such as pictures, Pictures of the crime scenes, possibly pictures of the home, nothing too gruesome or heinous. But if that's something that really piques you, go check it out. Also, I would totally love if you gave me a five star or, you know, honesty is always the best policy. Any rating on Apple podcast. Thank you guys so much. Let's get started. Stacy Castor was formerly known as Stacy Wallace. This was until her husband, Mike Wallace, passed away of an apparent heart attack, leaving her widowed with two daughters to raise. Ashley, who was 11 at the time of her husband's death, and Bree, the younger sister. Bree, I believe, was about seven to nine um, whenever her father passed away. Don't quote me on that, though. So, a few years after Mike had passed, uh, Stacy went on to remarry a man named David Castor. He was older than her, I believe about six or seven years. He had a son. However, his son was grown from David's previous relationship. I believe he was actually married to uh, David Castor Jr.'s mother. From what I've gathered about David Castor and who he was, he definitely was not a kid kid kind of guy. He did not want to do little kid things. He was really into toys. So he had jet skis and boats and four-wheelers and things like that. That's um, something that Stacy didn't really care for, I guess, his adventurous side and the cost that this adventure took them on. But all in all, he was a nice enough guy, good worker, had a great business that I believe his father had started in and passed down to him. I'm not quite sure. But one thing that I need to make clear is David Castor was known to not be a drinker. He just did not drink. So here is what happened. On August 2005 at her home in New York, Amy phoned the police because her husband would not answer. This is after they'd had a big fight and she was worried because he didn't go to work and he had barricaded himself in the house all weekend, which apparently was not like him. He'd also been drinking. Now, she said even though he'd been drinking, he was still seemed fine, just kind of stumbling around drunk. But not to the point of alcohol toxicity or anything like that, so she said. Upon arriving, investigators knocked and were given no response. So they decided to break in. Now... After searching through the home, they find David, and he's butt naked, face planted onto a bare naked mattress. This is in his master suite. He's covered in vomit, apparently face down, and there's vomit all over the room. On a nightstand, there is a brown liquor bottle, an empty cranberry juice jug, and two glasses. One has just a tiny bit of brown liquor in the bottom and the other has a three-fourths cup of this would be a scotch glass too just for size references but it's a scotch glass that's three-fourths full of a very bright green liquid 
there was also a container of antifreeze next to the bed. Without knowing anything about David or Stacy, this really appeared to be a suicide from all investigators' outward point of view. First responders say that Stacy seemed devastated and reacted hysterically, crying and very upset. When they tried to understand why he'd killed himself for investigative purposes, here is a summary from, you know, Stacy's and her kids that night. So Stacy and David had been fighting all weekend. It was their anniversary weekend. They were arguing about how they'd spend the weekend, and David reacted totally out of character. He grabbed a liquor bottle and went to his room to drink. He got drunk and I guess barricaded himself in there. Stacy's next move was to prompt her girls to go find a friend to stay at, which they did. Stacy herself went to a friend's house, and then it was when David didn't show up for work and she never heard from him on Monday that she grew concerned and called the police. When asking Stacy what could have caused him to take his own life, she said that he'd been really depressed. Now, just so we're all on the same page, death by antifreeze is a very painful and drawn out experience. It can take up to 72 hours to actually die. So the way investigations work on suicides is it's much easier to look at the case as foul play and work your way down to suicide than it is to slap suicide on the paperwork and call it a day because if there is any foul play later it's so hard to unravel that web so investigators opted to basically run to investigations they ended up coming up with some really wild evidence Um, they found a turkey baster that smelled so strongly of antifreeze they could smell it when they looked through the trash and it was also hidden under a bunch of like trash so it was like very carefully placed in there and they also found that only Stacy's fingerprints were on the scotch glass that contained the antifreeze in the master bedroom during the autopsy they said that he had died of ethylene glycolol poisoning which is antifreeze and um, they did sign the death certificate but they kept the other investigation open of foul play now while they investigated they decided to take a closer look at stacy's first husband michael and they even found enough probable cause to exhume mike it took seven years after mike died for anybody to take a closer look at him but they did these investigators were getting it it took two years but in 2007 investigators were able to exhume mike this was part of their investigation for david as well as a second investigation for mike wallace Fortunately for investigators, Mike was really well preserved. He still even had his fingerprints, which really made um, positive identification easy. He did not even die of a heart attack. He'd had the same indications of someone poisoned with this antifreeze ingredient. So they ended up deciding to tap Stacy's phone and had her come in for questioning. Now, when I said that there was indication of poisoning upon blood poisoning, preservation they found crystals in his blood which would indicate antifreeze poisoning so fast forward it's now september 7th 2007 this is two years after david had died detectives go to visit stacy and she was actually surprised to see them and was noticeably 
nervous. Investigators decided to play it really cool, and they told her that they were just there to close out the case of David. Um, when Stacy went in to talk to investigators, she didn't even know that they were investigating at all. She didn't know Mike was dug up and that the autopsy showed he'd been poisoned. Now, Stacy did lawyer up, but before she did, she was saying really odd things about how she saw black widows on TV who'd poisoned their husbands, and she would call it anti-free, antifree, instead of saying antifreeze. Um, she left, and she left not knowing that her phones were tapped. Now, unfortunately, they didn't really get shit from the wiretapping, but it was Wednesday, September 12th, that they went to Ashley, Stacy's eldest daughter, who had started her first day at college, and they went to press her about Stacy killing David and Mike. But her daughter was like, no, she actually didn't even believe it, really. To understand why it's hard to believe that Stacy would have killed Mike Wallace I'm going to go back in Stacy's life and tell you the story of her and Mike Wallace. So Stacy met Mike at a bar. He'd made a bet with his friends that he'd land Stacy that night. And guess what? He came through on his bet because they were together ever since. Now, Mike was a real wild child. His brother-in-law told Dateline that he belonged on the Dukes of Hazard. It was in 1987 that they had their eldest daughter, Ashley, for those that are wondering, they were not yet married. Now, Mike had a short prison stint from DUIs, and he got out in 1990. This is when they got married. One year following, they had their daughter, Bree. After Mike had gotten out of prison, he really mellowed out and calmed down, and he just became your average family man. In fact, when I look at pictures of them, they legitimately are just like your regular blue-collar family. I will have pictures posted on my sites. So Mike worked at a commercial HVAC assembly company and Stacy worked in a billing department at a different company. They are described as a happy, tight-knit family. However, all that changed on January 11th. Ashley, who was 12 at the time, had found her dad sprawled out on the sofa making really weird faces. So she instinctively called her mom. Now, Stacy immediately came home should have called 911, but, you know, whatever. So she did end up calling 911 later after she'd gotten home, and Mike unfortunately did not survive. Now, he died of an apparent heart attack, and doctors said that autopsies weren't needed. They were positive it was a heart attack. So Stacy and her girls tried to be happy and move on together. They went to Disney World and just tried to keep going. As time went on, though, Ashley and her mom became really distant. But, I mean, Ashley had become a teenager. I hated my parents when I was a teenager. I could see how this didn't seem that odd to anybody. You know, I think that's a pretty normal response from moms and daughters, especially after Mike having died. So, Mike Wallace had died in 2000. And a year later, in 2001, Stacy met David. David was not wild. He did not drink. He did not party. Um, he had a business that installing HVAC units, which I believe he was passed down from his father. And he had a really nice income and just a stable life. His son was an adult, and he just liked to have his to toys and just have a good time. They married in 2003, and Stacy became David's secretary. Now... David, like I said, didn't party, but he did have a really good time. And Stacy did not like all David's toys because of the cost. Also, David didn't really get along with the girls. 
especially when he first met Stacy, it really got easier as the kid gets older. And Ashley described that the relationship had kind of started to develop when she graduated high school. That was only a few months before tragedy struck. You see, August 22nd, 2005 is when David Castor had been found deceased. When police received the welfare check for David at his residence, he was dead on arrival, face down, naked in his puke. Supposedly, he'd been drinking liquor, along with there being a bottle and a cup of antifreeze. So, what the heck is going on? Second husband now? And let's not forget, David Castor was not even a drinker. Stacy's daughter Ashley was really shocked about David's apparent suicide. And after David died, Stacy wasn't really around again that much. She became distant and they just kept on moving on. The coroner signed the death certificate and Stacy didn't know she was being investigated and that there had been wiretaps. Also, Stacy got everything David left. He gave nothing to his only son, David Castro Jr. I guess they hadn't been close. Stacy didn't even keep companies. She sold the family company for almost $200,000, which actually isn't really a lot given that David had a pretty good steady income. I don't know what her plan was, but I guess she also made out good with um, all the things that he left to them. So one of the reasons why this investigation kind of dragged foot was due to the jurisdictional differences and Mike Wallace having been laid to rest in a different county and that whole what they believed to be crime took place in a different county. So that evidence took a while to even obtain. And it took a year almost for all the lab results to slowly trickle in one by one. And here's what they found on the lab results that they did not know at the initial investigation point. The one that Amy's fingerprints were the only ones on the antifreeze cup and that David's DNA was on the turkey baster. Which they found really odd. What, did he poison himself and walk the turkey baster into the kitchen trash can and hide it under a bunch of stuff? And then just what, like, slowly make his way back to his room? Where apparently Stacy has said that he's been drunk and unable to even really walk, stumbling around their house. Hmm. That's interesting. So... A lot of things are coming in. A lot of things are piling up. They got that evidence after a year. Um, it took a couple years to get Mike's body exhumed, but the cards are really starting to turn against Stacy, and she really didn't have any idea, remember, for years. She had no idea that she was being investigated. So we're back at September 7th, 2007. All the evidence has finally compiled. All the DNA lab results are in Mike's body had been exhumed and investigated Stacy had came to the detective's office that day and been pressed and she lawyered up and just refused to go with anything it was Wednesday September 12th a few days later that they went to Ashley Stacy's daughter at her college on her first day of school and pressed her about Stacy having killed Mike and David but her daughter didn't believe them at all, and she was really shocked about the fact that they'd exhumed her dad's body, the fact that they were investigating her mom so hard. She trusted her mom, and she didn't believe all of this. So the first thing she thought to do was call her mom. Her mom's response was to prompt Ashley to come home and come have a drink with her. They both probably needed it. 
Interesting Parenting. So that Friday, September 14th, Ashley did just that. She went to go visit her mom and to have some drinks with her. Now, this is the same day that detectives overheard a 911 call on the Stacy's wiretapping. I'm actually going to play it for you guys. So that was the recording of Stacy calling 911 after Ashley's sister Bree found her unresponsive and what appeared to be a suicide with a note typed up in all. And when I say suicide note, I'm talking like a full page. Now, immediately the police knew, okay, Stacy Castor did this and that bitch has to be stopped. They found around Ashley an empty bottle of vodka and three empty pill bottles, along with the note. Inside the suicide was also a confession that Ashley had been the one who killed her dad. By the way, she was 12 when her dad passed. And her stepdad. The note was typed up and printed. Now, she almost died from this. And when she woke up in the hospital, she was so confused. The last that she'd remembered was her mother having a drink with her and the drink being disgusting and her laying down to go to bed. Now, when Stacy left the room, Bree, Ashley's younger sister, basically just sat down and explained everything that was going on to Ashley since she'd fallen asleep. The apparent suicide note, what it said, what she'd confessed to, and Ashley, again, had no idea what was going on. Now, Ashley told reporters in Dateline NBC that she remembered having some drinks with her mom. They'd had vodka and Sprite and she said it was really gross and her mom just kept prompting her keep stirring it. Oh just drink it just chug it until finally she just went down the hatch with it. She said she did this because she totally trusted her mom. 17 hours later she woke up to find out that her mom had actually attempted to kill her and frame her for the murder of both her father and her stepdad. After untangling this really messy web of lies that Stacy portrayed, the police arrested and detained Stacy in the hospital parking lot for the murder of David alongside with the attempted murder of her daughter and some other charges to boot. Stacy never showed any remorse for her actions and adamantly denied that she did this and continuously put the blame on her eldest daughter, Ashley. But what she didn't account for is that Ashley was a strong, resilient woman with a full life ahead of her. And she wasn't going to be taken down by this bitch who tried to basically ruin Ashley and Bree's life with her selfish and cold-hearted plans. January 13th. 2009 began Stacy's murder trial for the, her second husband, David Castor. They could not bring up charges for the first husband jointly because of jurisdictional reasons. It was in a different county, but she was also charged for the attempted murder of Ashley, her eldest daughter, and for filing an illegal will and testament. Yes, that's right. That will cutting out David Castor Jr. from his father's legacy basically their family business was forged the evidence that they had against Stacy was the suicide letter drafts overlapped with the times that Ashley was at school 
And um, by the way, like I said, this was an entire page typed. This was not just like a couple scrambled sentences of like a confused teenager. They were drafted also between the hours of 8.30 a.m. and 2.30 p.m. on Wednesday, September 12, 2007, which overlaps with the time that Ashley was in school. And she was in a school where she was checked in and present for each class. Now, Stacy's friend admittedly stated that she helped Stacy with that illegal will, knew it was illegal, totally, totally laid it out there. Now, I felt awful for David Castor's son. He had lived for years thinking he'd been written out of the will. And this was David's only child. And he carried David's namesake. I'm sure he was devastated to be think that his father felt this way about him. But what really hurts is that Stacy had sold the family business her husband and David's father started, which is just fucking cold. Now, prosecution says that money was Stacy's motive. And the defense continued to just put all the blame on Ashley. So this is just kind of how the trial went. And you know what? No freaking way. No mom does this. I mean, even Ed Kemper's mom tried to help Ed Kemper better than this lady. I mean, this is crazy. So Ashley Wallace was the first trial witness for the prosecution, which was such a bold move and just such a brave woman to take on this you know, first witness into this huge case that your mother is basically saying fighting for her own life to try and put you in prison. But Ashley strongly got up on that stand and she relived not only the attempted murder of her at her mother's hands, but also the death of her father and having to defend why it wasn't her and how it had to have been her mom. And mind you, Ashley was only 12 at the time of her father's death. This is just an awful thing for anybody to have to relive. Now, there was another star witness. You're not going to believe this, but Stacy Castor actually had the balls to get on the stand. She had on an oversized buffalo plaid jacket. Now, she has a pretty slim nose and longish sandy brown hair. She was calm during direct examination and adamant that she didn't do it. The next day during her cross-examination, she wore a more fitted black jacket and a cream turtleneck I hate turtlenecks the biggest ball drop though was when the defense got really passionate about the evidence that Stacy had typed the suicide note but you know Stacy was very calm and wasn't even emotional about it she just maintained that Ashley did it and she had just zero reaction to the state of her daughter the state of her daughter's suicide or mental health just not a normal reaction for a mom given everything that would be going on with this child if she did do it. You know what I mean? Other things that came out again in the trial was, you know, let's not forget David's fingerprints were never on the cup of antifreeze. Did she just walk him in a cup of antifreeze? Like, hello. And for him to throw the turkey baster away after poisoning himself, because remember, his DNA was on that turkey baster in a drunken stupor where Stacy's DNA was on there also, uh, just is so far-fetched. So all this came out in the um, trial. And also, originally Stacy's first story was that she sent both her daughters away because her and David were fighting. But it's also Stacy and David's anniversary weekend, so it would be logical to give them time alone anyway. Now, Ashley and Sister Bree were late teens, so having them go stay at their friend's house so they could have an anniversary weekend alone, I mean, I just think that makes sense, period. 
So in closing arguments, the defense basically just hammered away that the only way the jury should convict would be if the prosecution could prove beyond a reasonable doubt. A reasonable doubt. I hate when that's like the only defense's last resort. It just annoys me. So the jury only took two days to return a verdict. They gave her guilty on the count of murder in the second degree. And the only reaction Stacy gave was she opened her eyes really wide and gave a little bit of a hard blink. And then when they read the second charge, uh, attempted murder in the second degree, which would have been against her daughter Ashley, as guilty, she gave no reaction at all. Now, Rosemary Corbett, the sister of Stacy's first husband, Mike Wallace, said it was like a gift from God that they weren't going to let her loose. They weren't going to let her do this to another family. On March 5th, Ashley addressed the court during sentencing. I am going to play an audio recording of what Ashley said to the court that day. I never knew what hate was until now. As horrible as it makes me feel, this is goodbye, Mom. As hard as you tried, I survived, and I will survive because now I'm surrounded by people that love me. Heartbreaking. She gave that testimony open in court during the sentencing hearing with her sister Bree standing by her side. The judge sentenced Stacy Castor to up to 54 years before she would ever be eligible for a parole board. She will be 96. Now that's 25 to life for the murder of David, 25 to life for the attempted murder of Ashley, and four years for the forgery of his last will and testament. Her daughters are happy and adamant and that her mom deserves to be there and justice has been served. Now, shortly after her time in prison, Stacy was investigated for the death of her own father, Jeremy Daniels, in 2002, who she requested to have cremated. Stacy did an interview in 2009 with David Muir on 2020, and she maintained her innocence and still blamed her children. Although the sisters felt like justice was served, Stacy did not face any more charges for her father's death nor the death of Mike Wallace because in 2016, seven years into her prison stint, she died at the age of 48 from a heart attack. No foul play is indicated. How ironic is it that she died of a heart attack seeing how that's the cause of death of her first husband? Ashley participated in a show for Lifetime called Beyond the Headlines, and something interesting was that Ashley truly trusted her mom. The police had come to Ashley first day of college after they'd spoken to Stacy and told her what was going on in her mom's investigation and that they'd exhumed her father's body and that they suspected poisoning and murder was the cause of death. But she thought to call and disclose this to her mother. It's really unfortunate because had she not called her mother and her mom tried to kill her, there's no telling how long it would have taken for justice to spin and if Stacy would have had another victim besides her daughter Ashley. How many more families could she have taken down? So although it's really unfortunate, it's also kind of ironic that by killing Ashley, you know, Ashley was actually able to end everything by surviving. And I think that's amazing. So it's just like I said, it's so beyond comprehensible that had Ashley not trusted her mom, she may not have been able to see her mom punished the way that she deserved. 
Anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning into this story time. I'm going to have some more extended videos and pictures posted onto my websites. Also, feel free to email me or, you know, direct message me on either one of my social media sites. I love to hear from people. And I'm also always open to people joining me on the podcast. Have a great week, guys. Bye.